You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Over the next, let's say, month, okay? Just focus in on one person and let God show you who that person is. Let him be a part of the equation in choosing that one person. It might be a relative. It might be a close friend. It might be someone that you work with. It might be someone that you attend school with. Whoever. Just focus in on that one person over this next month. And I challenge you to bring that person with you along, along with you to church. You know, with no expectation, just, you know, just trust that the Lord is going to do something. You have to be purposeful about sharing Jesus with others. Occasionally, the conversations will happen naturally, but not if you're not keeping your eyes and ears open. You have to step into those moments. In today's message, Pastor Mike will challenge us to just focus on reaching out to one person. It's as simple as inviting them to church. You don't have to convince or pressure them. Just let them know what it means to you and invite them to come see what it's all about. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Seventh Day. I remember what you said, you returned that I might live in my Father's house. This is a piece that passes understanding. That's not subject to everything just working out the way that we hoped it would work out. You know, in spite of all of the difficulties, in spite of all of the struggles, in spite of all of your problems, there remains a peace for the people of God, the Bible tells us. So he goes on to declare, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so there you have it. So how do we secure all of this? It's through Jesus. It's through the person of Jesus. You see, he has done what we need. He dealt with the sin problem. Remember, going back to the original statement, it's sin. That's man's problem that causes man to be restless, that restlessness. It's a sin issue. It's the sin problem. But praise God, the Father sent his Son into the world to deal with that sin problem. Jesus came. He died in our place for our sins. And thus he opens the door into the presence of God Almighty for all who believe on him. We're pronounced justified. We're pronounced righteous in him. And thus we have and experience this rest. Rest with God. You know, but I got to tell you something. I mean, there are things that go on in my life that cause me to be a little anxious at times and stuff. And And then all of a sudden God reminds me who I am. I'm the son of the king of kings. You're the children of the king of kings, the prince of peace, right? 
And uh, what a blessing that is. Praise the Lord uh, for that, right? And, and it just brings things into the right focus and perspective and, and, and realizing that everything is under his control. I, I've given him control over my life, and he's taking control over my life. And whatever's going on, whatever he's allowed to come into my life is for a purpose. He's working out his plan in and through my life. And thus I can just rest. I have that hope that all things are working together for good because I love him, right? And I'm called according to his purposes. So we can begin to enter into God's rest now and look forward to that day when we will be made like Jesus, when we stand before God. You know, and in that day, there's not going to be any more struggles with temptations or sin and you know, in that day, we'll have lost our appetites completely, you know, for sin, right? We'll be exactly like Jesus. Now, this leads me to my next point, and that is God's offer of holiness. Now, let's go back to this whole idea of God resting and what it suggests. Remember what I've already said in one of my opening statements, it's not all about God, but rather it's all about us. It's a picture that God has painted for us in the form of an offer. The first offer is that of rest. But here, I also want to include that God not only offers rest, but also holiness as well. Notice it, it was, that the day of rest was to be set apart or sanctified. And the idea there is holiness. And I think that's what God is seeking to communicate to us, that he wants his people not only to experience rest, but also to experience holiness, sanctified. I mean, after all, haven't we been set apart by God for his purposes? And again, once again, remember what's going on here. It's all about us and really not about God. So God sets the Sabbath day apart to teach us that we are not only to enter into rest, but also into holiness. I mean, think about it. I mean, the two go together, don't they? I mean, the opposite of sin is what? Holiness. So therefore, they go together. So here's God's prescription for our sick world. It, you know, if only the world would get hold of this idea. But more than an idea, it's a truth. Here's the prescription for our world's problems, simply holiness. But therein lies the problem, because the world doesn't like holiness. They don't want to be holy. And also, let me add, that this is exactly why the gospel is so hard to preach, right? And I don't know if the gospel is the gospel with an absence of a message where God calls his people to holiness, although there, there seems to be people who are suggesting that they're preaching the gospel, but they never mention holiness. They never mention, mention the cost of discipleship, denying oneself, picking up the cross, and following Jesus. You know, it's all about me and what I can get out of this relationship. It has nothing to do with the sacrifices we make or dying to ourselves, or picking up the cross or following Jesus' footsteps or Holiness, it has nothing to do with holiness, the gospel that's being preached in, in so many so-called churches today. Praise God, there's enough of them in, right here in New York City that is preaching the gospel, and we're thankful for that. But here's God's prescription for our sick world, holiness. But as I mentioned, the world doesn't want holiness. 
People want another way to secure this rest that we're talking about. They're seeking other ways that they might be accepted by God. You see, holiness is most disturbing to most people. But listen, there's only one way to find rest, to find righteousness, and it's by having sin's penalty removed through the work of Jesus Christ, sin's power broken through the power of the Holy Spirit, and sin's presence wiped out by Christ's return. It's sort of like a progressive work if you think about it, right? You know, going back to what I've already mentioned, the Bible tells us that when we see him, we shall be as he is. And in that day and only that day, you know, what did they, this is something that we can't even relate to. You know, no more body urges working against the commitment that we made to Christ, right? No more temptation to sin, right? Oh, man, I, what a day that's going to be. What a blessing that's going to be. And uh, we all look forward to that day. Now, that brings us to our fourth and our final point. And uh, in comparison to the Sabbath, you know, let's talk about Sunday, which is our day of worship, okay? Sunday, our day of worship. I'm not referring to the Sabbath day here of the Old Testament. Under the old dispensation, under the Sabbath law, the Jews weren't able to do basically anything. But today, we celebrate, right? Uh, We've come together on the first day of the week. And the reason why we come together on the first day of the week was because that was the day that Jesus rose again from the dead. And thus the early church, the church in the book of Acts, chose to set that day apart to worship and learn of God. So that's Sunday for us, right? The first day of the week. But let me suggest to you, in comparison to the Sabbath day, our day, the first day of the week, Sunday, today, should be a day of joy, a day of activity, and a day of great expectation. Now, you may be surprised by this. And I don't know if there's a lot of preachers who preach this sort of a message as it relates to, you know, our day of worship, the first day of the week, or they even refer to it as the Sabbath. Now, let me break this down for you. Remember, first of all, I suggested that Sunday ought to be a day of joy. Now, why would that be? A day of joy. Because we see the promise of the Father in Jesus, who is the culmination of the gospel. You know, as we come together on Sunday and we share the message, it's all about Jesus. You know, every book of the Bible, every verse that's in the Bible, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, it's all about Jesus. Jesus said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, but they are that which testifies of me. And let me tell you something. I've, we've talked about this before, and I've used this illustration. I could close my eyes and just go through, you know, flip through any page and just put my finger on a verse. I'm in 2 Chronicles in chapter 11 in verse 5, and I could preach an entire message on the person of Jesus Christ from that verse. Because all of the verses, all of the texts, everything that's written in the Bible all refers to the person of Jesus Christ. He is the culmination of the gospel because it's in him we have this hope, right? All of what God has made available to us and provides for us is found in the person of Jesus Christ and therefore we should be a joyous people, right? You know, in comparison, think about the Jews under the old dispensation, under the Sabbath. They were still waiting for the, even today they're still waiting for their Messiah, 
But we know who the Messiah is, and we know the Messiah has already come. And therefore, there's great joy, right? Could you imagine, you know, let, let's just say for just to make this point, this example, let's say that Jesus never came. And, uh, and in fact, you know, today was the day that the Jewish Messiah was born, and the Jewish race recognized whoever it was as their Messiah. I mean, the Jews would be doing backflips, right? Rejoicing. Well, listen, we know who the Messiah is, right? And thus there should be this joy about us. We come together and we worship and, and we celebrate the resurrection. That's what Sunday is, the first day of the week. The reason why they chose, the first church chose that day was because Jesus rose again on the third day. Well, on the first day of the week, but on the third day when he was in the, in the tomb, right? And they chose that day to worship God, to worship the Lord. And so there was rejoicing. They rejoiced over the resurrection. We come together and we worship God. It should be a time of joy, right? As we sing the songs that we sang, there should be joy in our singing unto the, the Lord. We're expressing our love and, and our gratitude as as Jeff had mentioned, you know, for all of what God had done for us this last year. It's sort of the catalyst. You know, we, we, it's, it's not some kind of a burden or even an effort to worship the Lord. We're doing it out of, a, out of a sense of thanksgiving and appreciation for all that he's done for us. There is that joy as we worship the Lord. And then fellowshipping with one another. You know, I love to just kind of, you know, I'm like a fly on the wall. And I'm just, you know, I sit in the back and I'm watching people as they interact with one another, as they come through the door, catching up with one another, just sharing the things that are going on in each other's lives, good and bad. And I'm blessed. And it's so rich, the fellowship that we share one with another, isn't it? It's such a blessing. Folks, joy, right? Joy. And then the preaching of the word of God, which should encourage you, not bum you out, right? It's not a you know, an exercise to beat you over the head with it, you know, to draw the sharp two-edged sword, which is the word of God, and then slice you into pieces, you know, where you're walking out of here and you're just like, you know, mincemeat or whatever, right? It's a joy to study the word, or at least I hope it is for you, right? Joy. That's what our, the day of worship should be, our Sunday. That's what it should include, is we are a joyous people. So listen, if you think about it then, we shouldn't have to coerce people into coming to church. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, check this out. This is the first uh, church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's what we're doing this morning, the teaching of the word, and fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. We're doing all of these things. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, keep going, and sold their possessions, goods, and divided them among all as anyone had needed. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple of the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God. In other words, they were a joyous people. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And so these were happy Christians, folks. There was joy. And so anyway, Sunday, our day of worship, should first of all include joy. But then the next characteristic, let's go on here, of the Lord's Day is activity. Now, 
I don't think that there's a lot of preachers who, who would share this message, this whole idea of activity. Usually they'll say, and yes, there's a place for rest. I mean, you got to rest. I mean, you got to, you know, you guys, I, I know your jobs uh, make great demands upon you. I don't know, you know, how many of you are I, rarely any more, you know, where you only have to put in like an eight-hour day or 40-hour week uh, work week. Your work situation makes even greater demands upon you than that. I know a lot of you take your work home with you, and even over the weekends you're at work, even when you're, at, you're not at your particular location at your place of, of employment. And that makes great demands on you. So you need to balance out your time. And you just need to take care of your bodies. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're, that you're doing that or you're going to become sick. And listen, and God is obviously concerned about that. So you need, there needs to be a balance there. But let me also suggest that our Sunday, our day of worship, should include... One of the other characteristics of the Lord's Day is activity. Now, what kind of activity am I referring to? Well, I'm talking about sharing Christ with other people. Sharing Christ with other people. And i got to tell you something, and I'm probably just as negligent as anyone else here, but you know, when was the last time that you invited someone to come with you to a Sunday morning service or a Thursday evening service? And uh, you know, just focus in. I'm going to challenge you. To focus in on one person, you know, over the, over the next, let's say, month, okay? Just focus in on one person and let God show you who that person is. Let him be a part of the equation in choosing that one person. It might be a relative. It might be a close friend. It might be someone that you work with. It might be someone that you attend school with, whoever. Just focus in on that one person over this next month. And I challenge you to bring that person with you along, along with you to church, you know, with no expectation, just, you know, just trust that the Lord is going to do something because God's word never returns void. You know, just get him here. We'll share the word with him, and we, him or her, and we'll just, just see what happens. But I want to challenge you to do that. And that's the activity that I'm referring to. And, and think about the, the women at the tomb on the resurrection. It's the same day that we celebrate our Lord's Day, our worship Sunday, right? What was the instructions that Jesus gave the first witness of the resurrection, who was Mary. He said to her, go tell my disciples that I've risen from the dead. And and thus, I think we need to tell people about Jesus and how that he is risen from the dead. That's the activity. And think of all of the other activities that go on here on a Sunday morning. Like, for example, communion. That's another activity as we celebrate the tremendous sacrifice the offering, the sin offering, himself, Jesus offering himself in our place upon the cross. As we remember that sacrifice, as we receive communion, that's another uh, activity, okay? And then Jesus, one of his final commands to his disciples before his ascension, he said, go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. These are just some of the activities, that we should be engaged in on the Lord's day. So let me ask you this question then. Okay, and I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anyone, believe me. But this is, I I think that this should be an occupation for all of us, including myself. Let me ask you this question. How does your activity express your joy of the resurrection? I mean, 
Take that to heart and seriously consider that question and think about it. Now, that brings us to our third characteristic uh, as it relates to the Lord's Day and worshiping the Lord, and that is it should be characterized also by great expectation. Now, let me use myself as an example. For me, when I, you know, as I'm driving here, I'm thinking to myself, okay, who's going to show up today uh, in our fellowship? Maybe it's someone who attends one of the Calvaries out in California or some other location throughout the United States or abroad. I mean, we've had people who were, you know, who are, are members of our sister churches from all over the world. I mean, Calvary Chapel Ministries is all over the world. And, uh, but also because of the fact that we're right here in New York City, I mean, we've had some really interesting people show up on our doorsteps. I mean, we've had actors and actresses. We've had sports personalities and, and all kinds of interesting people over the years, over these last 35 years, who just showed up in one of our services. So for me, I never know what's going to happen. And I don't know who I'm going to meet. And as it relates to you who are here this morning, I never know who will respond to the message that I'm about to deliver. You know, speaking to their precise and specific needs. Because guess what? In hearing the gospel, lives are changed. People are saved. People are healed. Listen, gang, we who know the reality of the rest and holiness of God should be of all people most joyful, most active, and most expectant as we take the gospel to a world that knows neither rest nor holiness, but needs them desperately. Have you entered into this rest that we've been talking about this morning? Well, let me bring you back to the, fir- the main issue, the real problem, that which stands in the way of our receiving and securing this rest, and that is sin. But remember, the sin problem has already been dealt with in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've made a decision for Christ or not. I don't know if you've invited him to become the Lord and Savior of your life or not. I don't know if you're born again. Or for the rest of you, I I don't know where you are. I mean, only God knows what's going on in your life. Maybe he's been put up on a shelf. Maybe you're just going through the motions. And the truth of the matter is that you need to come back to Jesus. Well, whatever the case may be, it's through the person of Jesus. Invite him to be your Lord and Savior once again, enthrone him once again upon your life, and you'll begin to experience that rest. Remember, Jesus says, come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, been listening to Pastor Mike Fenizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. 
Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than in my father's house with you. 